The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus according to St. John. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Father, take these human words and by the sanctifying power of your spirit and by your grace, stoop low and make them your very own. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated. Really glad to be with you all tonight. It's a privilege for me. It's the morning out at Holy Cross Trustville with um, Jay Gardner and company and Joe Gibbs. And it's great to be with you all tonight on this uh, second Sunday of Easter. You know, there are certain scriptural texts of our lectionary cycle that keep same throughout its three-year structure. You know, we have an A, B, and C uh, structure to our lectionary cycle, our, our Bible readings. For example, Isaiah 53 and John 19, those are always going to be read on Good Friday. In our text tonight, in John 20, with Thomas, it's one of those kinds of texts. Um, we read it every sun- second Sunday of Easter throughout our whole Christian experience. So it's strategically placed as the second Easter Sunday Gospel reading, year after year after year. Now the text surrounding it might change, but John 20 is read every year, and that's a long, that has a long and noble tradition in the church's liturgical life. So, Matt, if you need a sermon for next year, I've got one ready. Um, in fact, Sunday is often called and referred to as Thomas Sunday, this Sunday. Now, I like this tradition very much, because the lectionary cycle, along with the Bible, and I'll say a little bit more about this in a second, because I think the Bible's more important than the former, but the lectionary cycle along with the Bible won't allow us to remain detached from the real world of Christian faith and life. We see something similar, I think, in the season of Christmas, when in the first few days after Christmas we have the hard reading of the stoning of Stephen and the death of the Holy Innocents during Christmastide. These hard texts keep our feet planted in the real life and death 
struggles of Christian faith. I mean, just think about what we've gone through over the past month and a half together. We've had um, the drama and the struggle of Lent. We've gone through the passion of Holy Week, watching our Savior make his way to the horror of the cross. We've entered into the joyous release and relief of Easter morning. We've sung together with as much hope and joy as we can muster. Christ the Lord is risen today. Ah, 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 lelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelel
In fact, the last few verses of our reading tonight tell us why the canonical gospels have been left for you and for me. They're written so that we might believe. The scriptures are given to us as a continuing apostolic testimony so that through them, the Holy Spirit might breathe faith into us and fan the embers of our doubting faith as we continue to struggle with our risen Lord. So let me back to Thomas. I don't think Thomas gets any points for doubting, as if his doubts are the measure of an authentic faith. I don't think doubting is necessarily a Christian virtue, if we might use that language. But still, I'm so grateful for Thomas and for his testimony. Because even though he's mildly rebuked by Jesus for doubting, he's allowed the space to express his doubts and wrestle with them both in the absence and the presence of the risen Lord. Jesus meets Thomas in the middle of his doubts. And in the layout of the narrative, it seems like the whole story's building and Jesus appears just to engage Thomas and to put his doubts at rest. This is the part of the story that stood out to me as I prepared for tonight. Jesus, in the gospel story that we had just heard, he assuages Thomas's doubts by repeating almost verbatim the exact words that Thomas raised with his doubts. What did Thomas say? Unless I see and touch his hands and his side. And what does Jesus do? Jesus obliges. Thomas, come over here. Touch my hands and my side. What a powerful testimony to the loving and gracious care of our Lord Jesus for us in the middle of our doubts, in the middle of our coming to terms with him and his resurrection. How gracious he is to us in those moments when the absurdity of our faith arrests us, causing us to question the whole thing. Unless I see, I will never believe. And those moments when we might think that the materialists get it all right, and this is all that there is in this world. Thoughts like these can easily creep into our minds and hearts, especially given where we're located in the far side of the 20th century. I don't know about you, and maybe this is a confession, and we're among friends tonight, I can tell. I'm deep into Mad Men. Deep. Um, we're in the final season now. Um, some of you may be into this as well. It's a bit of a guilty pleasure for me and for my wife. She's here too. Um, so for folks who are good at the cultural critical thing, Mad Men, men is rife with, um, for Harvest. Um, I, I have to think, by the way, that there, there are master's theses that are ready to be written for just the way in which the closing music at the credits functions as an interpretive lens for the whole of this. It's just, I find it fascinating. Well, last week, this is not a no spoiler alert, but last week, we're back into the first episode of the final season, and Don Draper is back at it, obviously wrestling with his own existential angst and his own um, vacuousness inside and his headlong search for pleasure and the angst in the middle of it all. And guess what song they ended with last week? Does anybody see this? Peggy Lee's haunting song from 1969, Is That All There Is? I'm going to sing it for you right now. I'm not, but I'm going to read it to you. Now, you, you heard, I YouTube this to listen. She's got this sultry, deep, kind of inviting voice, right, Peggy Lee? This, this is the song. And by the way, the, the sermon's going to get better, but this is a, this is a real downer. So brace yourself. I remember when I was a little girl, our house caught on fire. I'll never forget the look on my father's face as he gathered me up. She's talking here, by the way. The music's playing. In his arms and... 
and he and raced through the burning building out to the pavement. I stood there shivering in my pajamas and watched the whole world go up in flames. And then when it was all over, I said to myself, is that all there is to a fire? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? is if, if that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball if that's all there is. And when I was 12 years old, my father took me to a circus, the greatest show on earth. There were clowns and elephants and dancing bears. And and a beautiful lady in pink tights flew high above our heads. And so I sat there watching the marvelous spectacle. I had the feeling, though, that something was missing. I don't know what, but when it was over, I said to myself, Is that all there is to a circus? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball if that's all there is. Then I fell in love, head over heels in love with the most wonderful boy in the world. We would take long walks by the river or just sit for hours, gazing into each other's eyes. We were so very much in love. And then one day he went away and I thought I'd die, but I didn't. And when I didn't, I said to myself, is that all there is to love? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. I know what you must be saying to yourselves. She's talking now. If that's the way she feels about it, why doesn't she just end it all? Oh, no, not me. I'm in no hurry for that final disappointment. For I know just as well as I'm standing here talking to you. When that final moment comes and I'm breathing my last, I'll be saying to myself, is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball, if that's all there is. Oh, Peggy Lee. Surely that song reflects so much about our time, an age where doubt, incredulity, a slowness to believe that there really is anything more beyond all our is that all there is experiences. And Thomas's story stands as a testimony to us tonight that doubting is not antithetical to faith, but is actually represented as part of our continual wrestling with God, our continued striving to come to terms with the absurdity of the gospel. Can I read you one more thing? This is the last of the night. This is from the 4th century theologian, one of my hero theologians, the bishop of Nazianzus, Gregory. So this is the Bishop Gregory. Listen to his poem. It's not quite like Peggy Lee, but it rings with some of this kind of angst. Where's the injustice? Asked Gregory of Nazianzus. I was born human, well and good. But why am I so battered by life's tidal waves? I'll speak my mind. Harshly, perhaps, yet I'll speak. Were I not yours, my Christ, this life would be a crime. We're born, we age, we reach the measure of our days. I sleep, I rest, I wake again, I go my way, with health and sickness, joy and struggles as my fare, sharing the seasons of the sun, the fruits of the earth, and death, and then corruption just like any other beast. What more do I have? Nothing more, except for God. Were I not yours, my Christ, this life would be a crime. See, the Bible's riddled with Thomas figures. The history of the church is sprinkled with figures like Thomas that emerge. 
Moses tells God he's not capable of leading his people, despite the fact that God with his own voice says, I'll be with you to deliver you. Gideon balks at God's calling. Jeremiah is not slow at all to let God know his doubts and to give him double barrels. Asaph in Psalm 73 almost throws in the towel because he can't quite bring together the conflict between what he believes and what he's experiencing. Asaph is asking Peggy Lee's question, is this all there is? And Jesus walks into the room. He walks into the room with us. And he meets us in our need and in our moment of doubt and in our internal conversations where we ask, is this all there is? He holds out his hands and he holds out and lets us see his side. And he says, no, this is not all there is. This is not all there is because of the resurrection of the dead. This is not all there is because I am. So in the midst of our joyous moments of our Christian calendar in this Eastertide, we're reminded in Thomas' story that experience and belief often exist on a collision course, the one with the other. Christians get no get-out-of-jail-free cards when it comes to the perennial struggles of faith and doubt. But what we're left with is an enduring testimony in Holy Scripture where Jesus holds out his hands, he lets us see his side, and he affirms for us that this isn't all there is because we're promised Jesus we're promised the risen Son of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.